back to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast to reward your listenership with crude bikini photos. As always, I am your host, Keith. If you are not yet subscribed and following me on Instagram, you should go check that out as many of the things coming up on the show are posted there. I'll also post extra content that usually pertains to the episodes in question. And the account for that is the main quest on Instagram. You can also shoot me an email at mainquestpod at gmail.com. And that's there if you know have any comments or suggestions. And lastly, if you are so inclined and you enjoy what you hear today, don't forget to leave a rating and review or both, um, and let me know how I'm doing, because I really can't fix anything about the show if you don't let me know about it. And so finally, I'm here. I am joined by two very wonderful people. If you listen to the episode I did on Metroid last year, you should be all too familiar with the Play Cube Gamecast by now. I have, once again, Dragged Chase back into the night shift here at ZB's. <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time on the show is the uh, extra weight staff, uh, his awesome co-host, Mushi. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice, wonderful Friday evening. Speak for yourself, Chase. I am trying not to melt. It is hot. <laughs> oh, is this, is, this, is this what the hamburger debacle was? <laughs> <laughs> no oh my gosh no it it is just hot in texas we are looking at over 100 degrees weather every single day this week oh my god yeah i yeah since my recent move so the hvac system in my apartment is right behind me it's actually in the room that i recorded so i cannot have the ac running while i record right now uh i mean it is not nearly as ter- terrible as texas but it is like a balmy 90 degrees in here right now. So bless. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it doesn't feel great. Chase, welcome back. And Mushy, uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on. You were supposed to be on Metroid the first time. Yes. Thanks for inviting me back. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't make it the first time, but thank you for thinking I mean, of you me do- this time. you dodged a bullet there. <laughs> 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 so, you know, since this is your first time here, I feel like I formally have to go through like all the first time questions I ask everybody when they first appear on the show. Okay, that's fair. You know, it's just for like listeners who haven't, uh, who aren't really too familiar with you. But I mean, you're pretty much on every episode of Play Cube Gamecast. And I actually got you guys like in the middle of your, you know, your little break or whatever. So. I should also, I guess I should be thanking you for coming out of hiatus a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on a break. What, what is the, the friend's quote? We were on a break. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's going on right now. So, I mean, most of my listeners should be familiar with this show. As for you yourself, you actually do streaming outside of that. So, you know, if somebody was going to, well, I guess, first of all, I should say, where can people find you streaming and what kind of stuff do you typically stream? 
Yeah, so I stream on Twitch. Um, you can find me um, on there, just twitch.tv slash mushysaurus. Um, I know that's a little bit of a mouthful, but um, mushy was already taken, so I had to add the ending. And the kind of things that I stream, um, I started off as mostly a retro streamer. However, I've kind of shifted into variety, um, so still kind of a retro focus. I like to play on like my GameCube and like the older consoles and hook them up. But lately I've been doing Lego streams. Um, so that's been quite a bit of fun. Like, and then also just, yeah, like brick building. Like oh, like the actual build- building building. Oh, okay. That's yes. Cool. Like um, I have a camera set up, uh, like overhead set up and just you see like my hands on screen building up these Lego pieces, breaking the Lego pieces and having to redo them. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, I was building a bonsai tree not too long ago and I knocked it over like right before stream and it was a mess. But yeah, so more more so of a variety streamer right now. Um, I do mostly not so popular games, so not necessarily not good games, um, but just games that, for example, people may have forgotten about or had no interest sure. in. So like, I'm not a fan of call of duty or anything like that. So what? you won't see me playing anything. No, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I get a lot of requests for games like that. And I'm just like, I can't, it's just not fun for me. Um, and I don't play video games to be stressed out. Except for when you come on my show. <sighs> yes. <laughs> I'm just we'll taking get a to shot that later. I'm, I'm taking a shot in the dark. I have no idea how you feel about this game. <laughs> oh gosh, you will find out. Did you stream this game? I did not. Um so apparently <laughs> it is possible to stream um handheld consoles. It takes a lot of work, so I have not done that. Also, you played on actual hardware. Yes, I don't do any kind of emulation. Okay. Um, so if I'm playing a GameCube game, oh, excuse me, GameCube game, oh, GameCube game, I am actually playing it on the actual GameCube. So let me. Hold, I'm just sidetrack about this whole Lego thing. So, is there are there certain sets that you typically try to go for? So I'm new to Legos. Period. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't have Legos at all. It wasn't something like my mom bought us like I think I had mega blocks so like the giant big building blocks and I had those for a little while um like as a very small child but never actual tiny legos the very first set I bought was actually the Nintendo Entertainment System set okay and I was going yeah um so I was really excited about that and I was like this goes along with my theme of retro games and it's going to be cool and It was intimidating. I got the box and it was huge and I was just like, I can't do this. So what I ended up doing was looking for smaller sets to kind of convince myself like, hey, you can actually do this. So I was just looking through the Lego website to see what kind of stuff that they had available that I was interested in. And I ended up picking up a tiny little Frankenstein, a double-decker London bus, a succulent set and a bonsai set. And so I didn't buy them all at once. Um, I actually ended up doing them unintentionally in order of difficulty. So I started off with easier sets and then ended up with my most complex set being the bonsai tree. And then ultimately I'll get around to the S or the NES set. There's a few plants that are very easy to take care of 
you know, like like a succulent, but it's even easier to take care of a Lego succulent, probably. <laughs> exactly. And that was one of the things that I told my viewers. I love succulents um, so much so, in fact, that like that was my office theme at work. It was succulents and I had some in my office, but I always kill them. Like I had an actual cactus and I killed my cactus. And you're probably wow. thinking how exactly yeah. like, mm. how do you kill a cactus? I did it. And I was so sad. I had an air plant, which basically needs to be misted just a little bit. And I still killed that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't buy succulents anymore unless they are plastic. Um, and then I saw the Lego set and I was so excited. And I was like, you know what? We're going to get it. I was and I was, was gonna say you should give aloe plants a shot, but I mean you you kill the okay, cactus. Okay, so, so I do have no an aloe plant. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I do, and he, my aloe plant is thriving. However, I would like to say that I visit my aloe plant. Um, I don't take care of it. I'm not its primary guardian. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I just I just visit it and check on it, and it is thriving. It's it's wonderful. They're practical too. They are. So anyway, I mean. This this podcast, unfortunately, is not about botany, so <laughs> I have to get back to the gaming here, and as far as that goes, when did you start getting into video games? Oh, gosh. Okay, so the very first video game I ever played was probably between the age of two to three years old. Wow. So video, okay. yes. Um, <laughs> video games were, like, always part of my life. They were always there. So it wasn't necessarily something that I had to seek out on my own. They were already there. Did you do you have like an older sibling? No, I'm the oldest. Um, but at the time, um, the family situation, my uncle, so my mom's youngest brother, um, we were all living together and he was a middle like a young middle teen, middle-aged teen. <laughs> that sounds weird to say because, you know, teenagers <laughs> aren't middle-aged. Um, but he, was, he wasn't he was on the older end of the teenage scale. Mid-teens. Yeah, mid-teens. Yeah. There we go. That's the right term. So, like, I, was, I would play with him. But as of, like, actual older siblings, no, I was the older sibling um, playing with my younger brother eventually. So my parents bought us a Nintendo 64 when I was about nine years old, which would have made my brother about four or five. They got us that for Christmas. That was our sh or I think we may have had a Game Boy Color before that. But physical like big console wise, that was our first one. And we got a PS2 not too long after. Um, and then we got a GameCube after that. And that was kind of when they realized like, oh, like she actually likes this stuff. Like this isn't going to stop because I bought a GameCube with my A honor roll money. I remember uh, my parents gave me a hundred dollars to, or because I was on the A honor roll all six weeks at school. Um, and I bought a GameCube with my money specifically so I could play Animal Crossing. That is, so that's kind of, I guess that answers the question as far because you guys, well, at least, I don't know. I don't know about Chase. I feel like you bring up Animal Crossing a lot on the podcast. I do. <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> that is a very fair assumption to make. I do. Everything relates back to Animal Crossing somehow. So that's way. kind of where your love for the, the series kind of started. Yes. Yeah, so I was in, um, I can't, like, maybe 
third grade or something and I played it at my friend's house one time for like maybe 30 minutes and I just fell in love with it and that was my goal was I have to get this Mm. game and it wasn't until like three years later that I finally got it so I'm going to take a shot in the dark here I don't know which one because there's so many right there's so many Animal Crossing games is Animal Crossing is an Animal Crossing game one of your favorite games of all time what is your favorite game of all time Oh my God, Chase just asked me this today. (laughs) Okay, so, and then he basically got the same response. Like I asked him, why did you ask me this? I have to ask everybody that comes on. (sighs) So it is like, how many Animal Crossing games are there now? Like five or six? So it's like a five, six, seven way tie between the Animal Crossing (laughs) games and the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. They all take first place. If you had if you had five Animal Crossing games in front of you <laughs> and Ocarina of Time, which one would you pick up right now? Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so difficult to pick because like, you know, Animal Crossing, it's something that you pick up and you check in daily. Like unless you're first starting out, there's not a lot of whole a whole lot to build on. But then also, like I was streaming The Legend of Zelda, so I've played it semi recently, um, and I just keep thinking back of oh, I still have all this stuff left to finish in the game. But I don't know. I'd probably go with Animal Crossing though, um, just to celebrate my animals' birthdays because I know I have one coming up pretty soon. The hardest part of the podcast is over for you, probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all, it's Let me wipe the sweat from, from my brow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, finally get into the game here proper. Are you guys ready? Oh, definitely. Never. All right. <laughs> Today, <laughs> we played Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Always, we begin our breakdown with our personal histories with the game, and I think I'm going to go first because it's quick. Uh, so technically, this is going to not be a mainline episode of the podcast. It's going to be a side quest episode because I don't think we actually owned Metroid 2 when I was a kid. And so, you know, why the hell would I put myself through another early era Metroid game? <laughs> right That's fair. yeah um i just want to cover them all in order that they were re- in the order that they were released so it's just pretty much that simple i just wanted to play it and talk about it on the show so uh that that's about it um hmm. so chase y- you haven't had a lot of time to talk yet today so i'm <laughs> gonna start with you what's your personal history with metroid 2 you know when was the first time you played it, and what did you overall initially think of it? Well, that's not too hard, because I wish I did what you did and played them in order. But instead, I played, like, Zero Mission, Fusion, the Samus Return remakes on the 3DS. Then I made my way to Metroid 2, and that was the worst decision I've made possible. Did you play Metroid prior to playing Metroid 2? I only played Metroid because it was on the Nintendo Switch online. 
Right, but did you play Metroid 2 before that or before that? Oh, really? Okay. So you played Metroid 2 before pl- coming on my show the first time around. I got really big into like this really fun modded GBA, so I picked up a bunch of Metroid GBA games. When I picked up like a G uh, 3DS early on, then I played the Metroid Returns remake. Then I was like, oh, hey, this is on the eShop. Let me pick this up too. I'm like, oh, no, this is on the eShop. Why is it so black and white? <laughs> oh, God, where's the map? I need a map. I can't figure out where I'm at. And then you come on my show and you're like, oh, God, this is even worse. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm giving uh, maybe I'm giving my own thoughts away too too soon. Um, anyway, Mushi, where did you come into Metroid Two? What's your personal history with it? Okay, um, so I owned this game on Game Boy. Um, so first time I played it, probably seven eight years old. I know I didn't get a Game Boy until about eight, but I know my cousin had it, and we played it with him a little bit before we got our own. But I hate it. <laughs> Just in short, <laughs> I hate it. So this is, um, I feel pretty confident in saying my very first and also very last Metroid game. I don't have a whole lot of interest in this series. Um, even like Samus in Super Smash Brothers, no interest. Um, so I own two copies of this game now. <laughs> I own one copy on the Game Boy and I own another copy on the 3DS because Chase convinced me to buy it because it was on sale and I couldn't find my original copy. Ah, that, that that's rough. Had, I guess mm, let's talk about it now, I, I guess, as much as we can. But did either of you guys play the fan remake or the actual remake for the game. So I played the remake before I played this one. Like, I beat the uh, remake on the 3DS. I have never gotten around to another Metroid 2 remake yet. Okay. I'm guessing mine is the normal one. Um, Chase, which one was on the eShop? Um, the but, Game Boy Color? The Game Boy version? Yes. Which is that like a remake like what is it i, I don't that's know. just a port that's just the original one okay so then i haven't made a re- or i haven't played a remake i've only played a port of this one but ugh, okay would not play a fan-made version either well, you will be surprised uh so i have not played the official nintendo remake of the game i did dip into am2r which is the fan-made version of this game and it's real good like it's I don't I don't want to give away a lot of my final thoughts here, but it is just such a clever reimagining of what this game, what the potential of Metroid 2 could have been had it been, you know, not made on a Game Boy Um, (laughs) and, you know, made in 2016 instead of, you know, uh, 1992 or whatever. So. I would suggest, I mean, I've heard the Nintendo remake is also very good. Uh, they're both kind of neck and neck with each other as far as, as far as the fans of the series go. A lot of them kind of put those remakes together as, as far as, well, they're both almost identical. I think Nintendo does, uh, Nintendo adds, oh, spoiler alert for the remake. Uh, Nintendo adds a 
new boss fight at the end of the game, a final boss for Ridley, uh, to kind of tie it more into Super Metroid. As far as the development history, Metroid 2 Return of Samus was developed by Nintendo R&D 1 and published by Nintendo. Gunpei Yokoi and the R&D 1 team came back to develop this game after making the first Metroid game on the NES. And Hiroji Kiyotake moved up the ladder from doing the artwork from the first game to directing Metroid 2 with Hiroyuki Kimura. The development went relatively smoothly in that the team just... They basically just wanted to bring a Metroid game to the Game Boy. I guess my question for you guys is, and I know Chase is very much into handhelds. I don't know, you know, what your real history with uh, handhelds are mushy, especially the early Game Boy stuff. But are you guys, what am I trying to ask here? What are some of the better, I I guess, experiences that you've had with the Game Boy in particular? Mm, The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages. It would probably be my favorite Game Boy Color game um, and probably just overall best experience game-wise ever on the Game Boy. For me, I have to go with like Pokemon Silver. Okay. So it's very much those late era Game Boy games. Yeah. Because, I mean, the the Game Boy Color was just an answer basically for Pokemon because the, at the point Pokemon came out, I mean, the Game Boy was old, <laughs> like it was old. And so they're like, uh, let's just do a revision because this Pokemon game is selling like gangbusters and let's add some color to it. <clears throat> and so that's kind of more or less a very surface reason as to why the Game Boy Color came along. And so, yeah, and of course, they kept developing games for it because Game Boy Color was selling because Pokemon was selling. So kind of went hand in hand. And I'm probably going to talk about that more on the Pokemon episode. You're going to have a Pokemon episode? Yeah, Gen 1. Oh my. Yeah, I'm going to try not have it be four hours long. I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to do that. But... <laughs> Three and a half. That's called foreshadowing. That's called foreshadowing. That's called foreshadowing. <sighs> that that seems too short. <laughs> <laughs> so R&D 1, they, they also worked on Super Mario Land, uh, which was... You know, it was something that emulated a Super Mario Brothers experience. The only thing about Mario Land is that they didn't really nail, you know, that Super Mario Brothers experience until kind of Mario Land 2. The game was still kind of rough. But Metroid 2 actually feels like a full-on NES game that they shrunk down and put on a handheld. And obviously, you know, as we've just talked about, as the Game Boy got older, as R&D 1 and other developers learned how to develop games for the Game Boy, we would see much longer games that felt like that felt like a video game. Like these early Game Boy games just didn't there's always something they always seemed like a like an offshoot of you know, the main franchise series of whatever games it might be. So, you know, obviously we would get Final Fantasy games on the Game Boy. We would get Gargoyles Quest, Link's Awakening, the Oracle games, and then Pokemon, of course. You know, there's 
objectively, there are things Metroid 2 does even better than the original NES game. But at the same time, it feels like a little worse for wear because of the limitations of the Game Boy. And that's something we can talk about later. One of the immediate downsides of a game like Metroid 2, as far as length is concerned, like something like an Oracle, something like an Oracle game or like a Final Fantasy game or whatever, is that battery life. Mm. It's not like putting in Kirby or Mario Land and you can sit there and beat the whole entire game in like 40 minutes or something like that. And that's probably something you guys can attest to more than me because I didn't have to deal with that this time around. That's definitely a valid concern. I'm sure it would have came up if I played it on the, um, I was going to say GameCube, on the Game Boy. But since I was playing it on the 3DS, it wasn't an issue because, you know, you can plug it right into the wall. Oh, right. Okay. It's it's charged. Yeah. I think my only concern about playing this game on 3DS is my battery life on the 3DS doesn't last as long as it used to. So I get started playing like early in the day, come back to it, see the red light blinking. I'm like, oh, no, it's dead. Oh, there goes my progress. Yeah, it's a totally different experience than having to hurry up and change your batteries out. Exactly, exactly. And you, you've got a uh, backlit screen as well, so. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so Metroid 2 was released for the Game Boy in the USA first, which doesn't happen. We, we never get yeah. games first, and that is because Japan does not give a shit about the Metroid franchise. <laughs> they don't. Damn. Metroid games you do not. US, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, Metroid games do not sell in Japan. So we got it first uh, because I guess we just wanted it more. So we got that in November of 1991, and it was then released in Japan and Europe a few months later in 1992. And since then, as we've talked about, it has been ported to the 3DS Virtual Console, and that came in 2011. As for review scores, at the time, Famitsu gave it 25 out of 40. It's rough. <laughs> um, it has a 3.5 out of 5 stars on Giant Bomb. Nintendo Life has it at a 7 out of 10. And IGN, of course, 9 out of 10. Every game, <laughs> 9 out of 10. And so also talked that the uh, game spawned a fan remake in 2016 that's am2r nintendo swiftly sued the shit out of that guy so that sucks and then they went about their way remaking the game themselves in 2017 i mean am2r was in development for like 10 years at the time and it was released one day before nintendo was like you know what we're making our own remake we need to pull the plug on this asap man it sucks because nintendo has so many more people that it was so, so many more resources that could just basically put out a game like whenever they want. And I wonder if the success of AM2R kind of lit a fire under Nintendo's ass and they're like, oh, people want a Metroid 2 remake? All right, well, we can make that. And now this is all conjecture. This isn't anything that, that probably happened, but it could be. <laughs> I feel like Nintendo's petty enough. Definitely. And then, of course, a sequel for the game would be made for the Super Nintendo and the Super Famicom called Super Metroid in 1994.
So, the game, apparently, takes place in the far, far away year of 2000. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, can you even imagine that? What the world would be like in the year 2000? So, as far as the story, um, I mean, I go to the manual every time, and I looked at it, and it's pretty much just as long as the first game was. Like, I, I usually read verbatim what the story is, but, uh, like, I took a look at the Metroid 2 manual, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I even, like, the first three pages basically retell what happened in the NES game. So, essentially, all we need to know about my Metroid 2 is that the Space Federation that hires Samus finds out that there's still Metroids on this planet called SR388 and basically send her there to kill them. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's never... I don't think it's... Because this, this game isn't... There's barely any text in it. And they don't state it in the manual, but I think we find out later that SR388 is actually the Metroid homeworld, right? Yeah. So the, basically, Samus, this is like space Thanksgiving. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Samus is just going onto this planet that's not hers and killing everything. I think we talked about this on the last episode, too, where Samus just arrives on a planet and literally decimates the ecosystem. But in the first game, that was just a side effect. In this game, it's the actual goal. They're literally paying her to go commit gen uh, genocide. I think, as much shit as I'm giving the game, I think Metroid 2 does a better job with the story, especially, especially at the end of the game, essentially. That's kind of what it comes down to, so... I guess, spoiler alert for the end of the game for a 30-year-old. Yeah, this game's like 30 years old now. The baby Metroid befriend, befri befriending Samus at the end, uh, which is a nice, you know, again, there's no text or anything like that. It's it's all visual, uh, a nice bit of visual storytelling there. Because this is, Metroid 2 is the game that kind of sets up all of the other games to come, which have far more story in them. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I know, Mushy, you said you, you're not very fond of this series or anything. I don't know how many other Metroid games you've played, at least the 2D ones. But for me, this was weird to see. There is no Mother Brain. There's no Ridley fight. And uh, there's... No self-destruct sequence either, which is kind of a thing in the Metro games uh, to have to escape the planet at the end. And then, of course, at the end, <laughs> you get the three different endings. I think there's more than three different endings, actually. Uh, but they're all kind of the same. One of them doesn't make any sense. And I don't know which ending you did. Did you guys beat? Were you able to beat the game? I did not. No. No? Okay. Uh, so I, I'm guessing like the standard ending that most people would probably get is if you beat the game in seven hours or more, uh, the credits roll and Samus is 
like running and then she just kind of stands there and that's it you know full var- varia suit varia varia zebis zebis um <laughs> pronunciations just standing there in her suit or whatever and is running around but if you beat it in three to five hours samus is she just stands there which is like somehow i don't know how this is the better ending because if you take longer she's running around which i feel like is more i don't know technically impressive i don't know the these two don't make sense the last one is just for horny teenagers and if, if you beat the game in less than three hours she stands around in her underwear because <laughs> that's just the thing in metroid i mean that happened in the first one too he's had to you know beat the game fast enough i mean again this is a game for americans i mean the japanese got us pegged i guess <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, I don't know, that that's like the thing in all of the Metroids, even in the later ones where it's like, well, they took away the bikini, but she may as well be in one because now she's got the zero suit. So you get a lot of zero suit Samus if you beat games fast enough. I I don't know about Dread. Does that come back in Dread at all? If I ever beat Dread fast enough, I'll let you know. It's kind of hard to do what I do and take time when you're trying to speed run a game like this. Because every Metroid game is like, you need to beat this game as fast as possible to get the best ending. And I'm just like, but where, how do I, I want to explore this world, please. Don't make me get like a three hour timer to beat this game when it normally takes me like seven hours. The problem I find with Metroid games is that they really want you to replay the game. And once I'm done with a Metroid game, I'm usually like, I never want to play this again. (laughs) So... I mean, the only one I've ever really played a lot is Super Metroid, and I know that game like the back of my hand, but I don't ever think I've gotten Samus, you know, in a bathing suit or anything like that. I can only imagine this was like back in the playground when you had all these friends around. You're like, all right, guys, let me just tell you, I beat this game so fast. I saw the bikini. It's insane. They're like, no way. Prove it. How can I prove it? You just got to beat it fast enough. You got to beat it fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Clip that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's move on to the gameplay here. What were your initial thoughts on the gameplay? And I guess I'll start with you, Mushy, since Chase and I are basically coming off the first game. Yes. So one of my biggest complaints about this game, um, even way back when, was navigation. I, for whatever reason, had the hardest time with no map. Um, And so I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, you don't need a map. You can play games without a map. And like, I get that. But it made me realize how dependent... I actually am on maps in the game um, to be able to track my progress. And so not having that just made it so much harder. Um, I was accidentally backtracking and I was just like, oh, I've already been here. This is the fifth time I came back. What's going on? And then, of course, the save points were also a sore spot for me as well. I remember texting Chase that, oh, my God, I just beat my first one. And then I stumbled upon a second one and 
died because I didn't come to a save point and I had to start all the way over and beat that uh. first one all over again. <laughs> So, I mean, those are my biggest complaints. Um, I really, one thing I really liked, and I don't know the proper terminology for it, but when Samus can turn into a ball and she learns the sticky ball and she can like go up the walls, I really love that. So it's like spider ball or something. I can't remember what they call it. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, spider ball makes it so. I love that. There's a couple of uh, upgrades that Samus gets in this game that weren't in the previous game and basically become franchise staples from here on out and uh yeah um i'm probably gonna echo some of what you just said but first uh chase what what did you think dude i think the biggest improvement this game had to the original nes metroid was being able to crouch and shoot yes (laughs) i remember screaming about that the first episode (laughs) (laughs) honestly it's just very painful to navigate I'm in this giant room. I'm in a tiny screen. I'm on a tiny ball. I'm just like, where does this room end? I would prefer to have a map for a game like this. Yeah, for sure. I've talked about this before in the other Game Boy episodes, so I'm sure I sound like a broken record at this point. I'm impressed with the way that a game like Metroid 2 somehow improves upon its NES counterpart because it is a Game Boy game. And so starting off positive here. So when we talk about, you know, Samus, the additions to Samus's mobility. So like you were talking about, Samus can crouch and shoot. Um, she can even as she's falling or in midair, she can shoot downwards too, which is really nice. And then you add the spider ball and the space jump and the spring ball upgrades that you get later. Samus just moves so much better than she did in the last game. Uh, Cause you couldn't do a lot of that stuff. You know, if she was jumping or falling or whatever, she couldn't, she could just shoot straight. The, the only thing that's missing from this game essentially is the diagonal shooting, but her overall mobility is so much better, so much better. I can't, that to go keep talking about if you haven't listened to the episode chase and i did on metroid you guys should go back and listen to that uh because i can't count on both hands how frustrating that first game was (laughs) having to just engage with any enemy at any given time (laughs) it was so bad and yeah again a lot of these upgrades and stuff they become staples eventually and for the most part, everything, a lot of the exploration becomes better because Samus can move so much more easily and uh, attack enemies a lot, a lot more easily. One thing I do want to mention, because it's something, again, that I yelled about on the last episode, is the ice beam. They changed that for the better because the enemies stay frozen now. Like... In the last game, if you recall, when you would use the ice beam, every other shot would thaw the enemy out. So you would constantly have to freeze, refreeze, and it would take forever for them to die. But Metroid 2, they just stay frozen and you just shoot them all willy nilly and it's fine. And it sounds like I'm really nitpicking here, 
about that first game, but I don't give that fucking game sucks. It's so much better in this game. And then, so as far as exploration goes, and I guess I'll start with Ch- Chase first because you played the first game. Did you find? We talked about the map or the lack of a map. Did you in any way find SR388 much easier to navigate than ZB's? <laughs> well, let's be real. You're not having enemies home in on you like they did in the first game. Or like when they just fly down from the roof and just swoop in and try to kill you. So it's a little more easier to navigate that way. It just doesn't help that on the original Game Boy color palette, the black and white, you can't tell the difference between different rooms unless you actually look at the individual sprites because almost every room would eventually start to look the same at the end. The concept of navigation was pretty simple. I just couldn't keep the navigation straight. (laughs) I feel like, so I guess the thing that I forgot to mention here is that on the HUD, there is a number letting you know how many Metroids are left on the planet. Because after all, we are just hunting Metroids. Mm-hmm. I don't... How many... Is there... There's. Is there 40? Or is there yeah. more than 40? I don't remember. It's about 40. Yeah, I think when you start the game, it's like around... You start with 40 Metroids, and you're basically just exploring the planet, killing these Metroids. And so there's a number at the bottom or whatever telling you how many you have left. Either way, this game, I feel, gives us like a clear and concise goal, if that makes sense. Whereas Definitely. in Metroid, you are just dropped off on ZBs and the game is like, all right, go. And you're like, go where? <laughs> Do what? What is the point of anything? <laughs> so at least, you know, there is an end game, you know, mm-hmm. and... I found that this game is a little more linear since there are actual like soft gates there that are you are gated by these impassable pools of lava. And the only way that they drain is if you cleared out enough Metroids from each area, which I thought was a nice change, you know, for them to kind of give you a hint like, all right, well, you're done in this part. You can move on to the next part. Um, and there isn't a ton of backtracking that needs to be done unless you want to 100% the game. Like the energy tanks and missile upgrades return from, from the last game. So obviously the more upgrades you have, the easier time you're going, you're going to have, but none of that stuff is, it's not necessary unless you're having a, a really tough time. So Snake, this is Kevin. Do you copy? Who the hell are you? Snake, are you serious right now? In the middle of a mission? I don't know. Does the name Deep Throat mean anything to you? It's Keith. We're supposed to be using aliases during this mission. I see. Why didn't you tell us about this sooner? 
But what I want to know is, what was the real purpose of this military exercise? The President of the United States is about to give his State of the Union address in just a plain suit. Your mission is to deliver the tote full of main quest gear to his person. In secret. Do not let anyone see you perform this operation, Snake. Do you know what kind of ramifications that could have if the Cannibal Rabbit Foundation caught wind of this? Yeah. If word of this got out, it could delay the signing of the Star 3 Treaty and cause a huge international incident. Good. So you do remember the briefing. I know what I'm doing. Does the White House know about this? How deep does it go? Some say the Freemasons have jurisdiction. But when you consider how closely the Clintons and Kissingers have influenced geopolitical affairs, we're led to believe this involves more than just the Freemasons or Illuminati. This could be Bilderberg. We're relying on you, Snake. Have you infiltrated the White House? Got it. Yeah, I'm in front of the disposal facility. Perfect. The tote should be tucked right behind the toilet in the far northernmost stall. You're wrong. It's not here. What? That's impossible. Are you completely sure? I'm afraid so. Try checking inside the tank. Don't you need a password? Uh, uh, no. Just lift the tank. I didn't know that. It's not here. I didn't think it would come to this. But we need to switch to Directive Epsilon immediately. Not so fast. Where are the remote-controlled missiles? Snake, this is a stealth mission. What you'll have to do is use the star system to log on to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. What? Redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. It's the only available way to get your hands on the number one retro gaming podcast merch out there. From t-shirts, hoodies, blankets, and stickers. I've got one of them. Everything is print on demand, which means everything is designed just for you and around your mission parameters. The shipping is fast, and it will be Fulton to you in no time at all. I'm glad to hear that, but I think I'm starting to develop kleptomania. Uh, please, Snake, maintain your virtuous demeanor. I can't do this quest without yours and the listener's support. I didn't know that. I'm going to ask you one more time. Where can I find ammo for the PSG-1? Snake, I'll tell you one more time. You can visit redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. But I can't promise what you need isn't there. Just high quality merch for your mission. I don't need lectures. So anyway, thanks. Call me if you find out anything. Affirmative. Be careful, Snake. Speaking of a tough time, what did you guys think of those Metroid encounters? Because they do get tougher the further you get into the game. <laughs> the way you fight them doesn't really change overall. And then I guess we can also... Well, you guys didn't reach the Queen Metroid at the end. So I guess just in general, what, what did you guys think about these encounters? It's uh, so nice to see Metroids evolve past that larva stage we're so used to seeing into actual, like, creepy insect-type things. Because these things are fearsome when they evolve. And thankfully, they're just stuck here on this one planet. (laughs) So I want to just echo fearsome, um, because I struggled a lot. (laughs) So much struggling. Um, And I didn't realize. So 
like obviously like this was not my first encounter playing this game however it was my first time getting this far into it and i didn't realize that they got harder to beat so i was just like oh okay yeah i got one yay and then i'm going on and then the second one completely obliterates me and i'm like what the heck just <laughs> happened and then I asked Chase and he's like, oh yeah, it gets harder. And I was like, what? It gets harder? Uh, and so did not have a good time with the progressing difficulty. So I found a way to kind of cheese some of the encounters because you, so you kind of know when you're about to fight one because there's a shell either. Yes, I know. Yeah, there's either a <laughs> oh shell like left in the same room or like just outside the room yeah and so you kind of know so i would just kind of like pixel by pixel creep into the room until i saw the metroid and then the metroid would aggro right and then i would walk away just a little bit and it would just kind of freeze like it would just like stay stuck in place and then i would just oh, wow. and then i would just shoot at it now that doesn't work when you get to like the i don't know what they call them like the uh the omega metroids where they're like full on like look like these giant monsters or whatever yeah that doesn't work with those guys uh but yeah i so i i cheated a little bit uh otherwise i mean yeah they can be pretty annoying to deal with they basically just dive bomb you the entire time and eventually they will shoot electricity at you or whatever i will say this um you know as much as i praised the linearity kind of and uh Kind of knowing what the end goal was, I thought that the game got really boring after a while. Well, I think it's like a very excellent part of just the showing and not telling part of the game. Because you're on a world that's infested with Metroids. So as you go deeper into this cave, you're going deeper into the core of this planet. You're realizing there's not a lot of enemies down here. There's not a lot of uh, natural wildlife or fauna. or It's just empty. Like... These, this is what happens when a Metroid stays here too long. It will suck the life out of this planet. So that's why like some of the later levels are pretty barren. So it makes sense on that part. It's like a very interesting story element added to the gameplay. Yeah, it is cool. It, this game somehow, for even being on a Game Boy, feels more atmospheric than the NES version did. And now that you just said that, I mean, yeah, it, it does kind of feel like a very barren game as far as like just the doing the actual through line of going room to room killing these metroids just it, i got bored it just felt very boring i feel like they could have cut 15 metroids 15 metroid encounters out of this game and it would have been a tighter experience in my opinion well, you're getting paid to commit genocide, so and normally that involves killing thousands upon thousands. So when they cut the number to forty, I'm pretty uh okay with that one. <laughs> True. I know, and we're only on one part of the planet. Like we don't even see the entire planet. Like, are we sure she really killed everything on the planet? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for her killing everything on this planet, we wouldn't have a Metroid Fusion. How are all the Metroids? centralized in just that part of the planet i can only imagine it's like a, not a big planet like earth or 
Mars? It's just this one cave system. <laughs> I mean, it's the cave system cool. is like, but the cave system just runs deep enough. You run straight to like the core of the planet, you know, just to kill the queen. It just reminded me of an anthill. Yeah, like a hive. Okay, a hive of some sort. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some of my listeners are probably surprised that I'm being so relaxed about the level design and exploration. Again, Metroid 2 does not have a map. It suffers from the exact same bullshit as the first game, and that's specifically kind of due to the lack of colors from the Game Boy hardware. So, I don't know. You guys probably played the color version then if you played this on the DS, right? No, we played it black and white. Okay, so you... Okay, good. Because, yeah, everything looks exactly the fucking same. Which is worse than the NES because at least the NES had some color to it, which didn't really help either. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between dark blue and dark purple. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everything here is just like white foreground, black background. That's all you get. Um, And then also the same fucking archaic horseshit exploration that Metroid is known for is here. There's hidden walls. Yes. There, there's paths that are not indicated otherwise. And I oh yeah. And what's worse, what made me accost my TV <laughs> is that there are <laughs> blocks that they won't disappear if you bomb or shoot at them. You just have to know that you can walk through the wall. Yep. Like there's no telling that there's even a path there like you just have to know that it's there <laughs> like <laughs> that specific little thing was not in the first game so you know if i have to give any points to that first game it's that this was stupid <laughs> <laughs> see this is why they gave us the spider ball so early on because we'd be rolling around everywhere just to end up finding this weird divot where we're just like disappearing the walls like oh yeah, shit we're going to find yeah, and I'm sure that was probably the compromise there, but it still fucking sucks because you literally <laughs> the spider ball moves so slow. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's the trade off. You get to climb the wall, but you got to go slow. And like the spider ball becomes useless later on once you get the fucking space jump and everything. Uh, last thing I want to shit on as far as the gameplay goes with Metroid before we move on to the graphics, uh, Metroid Two rather. No oh, Freudian slip. Uh, this game is still a missile and energy grind, and the spots that you would typically use to grind, like that carry over from the first game, they don't spawn enemies infinitely. I mean, you get the refill stations, they're introduced in this game, and I think Mushy mentioned the get the save spots also, uh, the save stations, which are also introduced here. They are just so few and far Hold between, on, though. you said introduced, did the first game not have save spots? They did nah. not. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so glad I never played that because I would have lasted 30 seconds, maybe. Yeah, if you yeah, if you die, you you basically start over. But uh... you did like so Metroid had a built-in save function. So I mean you could save the game, but you would start out at the beginning of the map every time instead of Oh, so instead of um, yeah, like you could be at the almost very end of it and then save it and you go right back to the beginning regardless. Right, right. 
just as bad. Whereas with this game, you know, you can save right before the Metroid Queen. And then if you died, you would pick up right where you left off, essentially. So that first game is a pain in the ass as far as <laughs> the exploration goes. So having to travel all the way through the map just to get to back to Mother Brain was a, a huge pain in the ass. So as everybody knows, as as far as this series of Game Boy games goes, I have not been playing on original hardware. Boo! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Saves you the soundbite. <laughs> Listen, the original Game Boy is hard to look at. I don't care who you are. I can agree. The original can Game agree. Boy. <laughs> Thank you. So with that said, you guys played at least on a 3DS. How was that experience? How did the game look to you? So you actually had the option to play it as it would have looked on the original Game Boy. Um, and then as it looked on the Game Boy Color. So you could switch between like a green and blackish color and then a white and black color. Like it, it's not something I'm nostalgic for. Like, oh, I love it. Because um, I do like 8-bit stuff every once in a while. It wasn't something that I was like, oh my gosh, this is the the coolest thing. Um, these were top tier graphics of the time. Like nothing like that. <laughs> it was just a, like, this is what games looked like back then. Okay, let's do it. As far as graphics go... I do appreciate the differential between like the uh, arm cannon separating out, expanding out to become missiles. I do appreciate that the variety of the various suit does add these massive shoulder balls to Samus's suit, so you could differentiate that she's now bulked up or more powerful. But it's definitely like a well, what what if you would take an NES game and move everything graphically over to the Game Boy? They did a very good job of making this look as close to what, you know, the NES Metroid looked like, right? So I for me, I'm going to start off talking about the shaders, as I have with all the previous episodes. I thought the Game Boy Color shader that I used looked pretty good. Um, the Super Game Boy, the <laughs> default palette on that kind of made everything. It made the game look like it took took place underwater, like the <laughs> like the fore the foreground was completely pink, and the entire background was like turquoise, so oh, it was wow. very jarring, uh, very eighties looking. Just as far as the graphics go in general, I mean, this is the thing that I noticed with Mario Land Two, is just that everything is so zoomed in. I guess unlike Mario, it's not, you know, as we've already talked about, like there's not a ton of enemies that you have to deal with. And so that's not what really bothers me. It's just, it's just Metroid is so much more vertically constructed than a Mario game. If that makes sense. Like Metroid 2 has much more vertical exploration than the first game did which is why you know they give you upgrades like the space jump and the spider ball and stuff like that and i don't think that works well for the game boy uh not for the game boy's resolution there were times when i just felt like i was taking a leap of faith into a pit and i didn't know if i was going to be okay or not yeah you can only do so much on like a 2.6 inch screen 
when you're trying to be able to differentiate what you're doing. Right, right. And I can't, you know, I can't blame the developers for that because who knows, who knows how the game would have ran if the sprites were a little bit smaller, you know? It's a shame because it does. I thought it sucked. I don't know. I don't know how you guys felt or if it was something you even noticed. Because if I, as I've played through these Game Boy games, it's definitely something I notice from game to game where either it's perfectly fine or the sprites are too big. And don't, I love big, beefy <laughs> sprites. Trust me. Like it's a nice looking Game Boy game, but great graphics does not make a great game boy or let me say that how do i wait great great graphics does not make a game good does a good game not make i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i think we understand the gist of it graphics can't save gameplay yeah the other thing too is that i couldn't discern the water from lava like i almost never knew what i was stepping into so it was like oh yeah this looks safe like this looks fine and then i'd like go jump in and all of a sudden i'm losing health very very quickly <laughs> and then i think um you mentioned the various suit chase which is this is the giant this is the introduction of that of those gigantic crt tv sized shoulder pads of hers and that's a game boy limitation like they couldn't show you that you got a suit like a brand new suit without changing it to some degree because there's no colors <laughs> you know so this is where the varia suit comes from okay and it works out because they kept it ever since i mean yeah i mean it's iconic that we you never see samus without it you know i mean smash brothers she's got the various suit on so it's what she's in and all the promotional stuff and everything so this is where it comes from which is it's something i mean there's so much stuff in this game that would just carry on to all the other ones which is it, it just seems all of these games seem weird because they're on a game boy game i mean the whole metroid series is just weird you know because they can't decide if they want to keep it on one main console at all because it's like it jumps around from like the home console to a handheld back to a home console to a handheld then switch both handheld and home console and then you look at the releases of Prime and Fusion released literally the same day. And even then they were kind of like, uh, well, we got this 3D one, but we don't know how that's going to do when we know a 2D one is probably going to sell pretty well. So there's probably, I, I'm not certain. I, I'm pretty confident that there were probably more Game Boy Advances that were sold than GameCubes because the GameCube did not sell for dick. Uh, nobody had a GameCube, so I'm pretty sure. Cubes. I was about to say we both did. Well, so did I. <laughs> we are three nobodies, apparently. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, but I didn't have a Game Boy Advance, so tables are turned for me there. But without looking it up, I'm pretty certain the GBA sold far, far better than than the GameCube did. I think that's not even fair because handhelds on its own sell way better than home consoles do. Well, at least Nintendo handheld consoles do. Yeah, Nintendo's like got that market cornered. Uh, no matter how many times Sega Game Gear tried or the Atari Lynx or the PS Vita. R.I.P. 
the one thing I just want to nitpick here on the graphics before we move on to music is Samus's walk animation is still really fucking dumb. Like she looks like she's doing a chicken walk. <laughs> like her arms are like super high up and she's kind of like fist pumping. <laughs> like it's just it looks dumb. Hey, she's gonna be ready to fire at a moment's notice. She needs everything at arm's length. Isn't it a little dangerous to be holding an arm cannon that close to your face while you're running around? A little bit. I mean, we don't know her trigger discipline. We can't tell. (laughs) I would assume she's pretty damn good. So, I guess I'll start with you, Chase, because, you know, Metroid, the first game, has some very distinct music, depending on where you are. Uh, Some of those songs are considered to be series staples and very iconic. And we have Metroid 2. Hey, Metroid 2 did the best what they could on a Game Boy music soundboard. Sure, it starts off nice and happy when you first land, but... When you get deeper into the game, it's just more uh, ambient noise. I think I've listened to this music before. It was like drone music. But uh, towards the end, it's just more chaos and more ambient noise. And you're just like, I'm ready to get out of this cave now. Fuck this cave. Fuck this cave. Let me get out of here. I'm going deeper. Fuck. Ambient noise. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> oh he was going deeper. That reminds me of the Stranger Things meme that I just saw that it says like tentacle undulating moistly or something. Oh god. Like that's what that sound made me think of. No spoilers. Are there undulating tentacles in Stranger Things? <laughs> Apparently, I was. I didn't watch the show with subtitles, so I completely missed that. I just saw a still shot meme on Facebook, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> it's like I like the word undulating, but hey, call back to my first episode where there was a song on the there's a song on the game called "Demons Undulate." <laughs> what? <laughs> that's a that's a callback. That's my first episode. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to see some tentacles undulating, you should. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Jabu Jabu's Belly. There's tentacles and they undulate. Well, I was, oh, I was going to say, if I needed to see some tentacles undulate, I should just ask Chase for game recommendations. <laughs> that <Wow>. also works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of recommendations, uh, Mushi, would you recommend the music for Metroid 2? What did you think about it? Absolutely not. If you look at the show notes and see what I wrote, traumatizing was my first word. (laughs) 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 Just revisiting this game, again, I've mentioned, didn't get very far the first time around playing as a child. I just had flashbacks over and over and over to that. And the very first time we came across a Metroid and like the screaming. Yeah. (laughs) 
And honestly, that's all I can think about. So I, I hear like, cause you know, there's the very distinct startup noise when you turn the game on. Um, well, sorry, not that very first deep space sound, but like the triumphant start noise when right. the, it loads, um, yeah. like there's that and it's like, okay, that's fine. And then there's all kinds of noises going on. And then when you find that first Metroid, that sounds and it's traumatizing (laughs) traumatizing it is borderline jump scare yeah if you don't know what's coming i could agree with that and so like that's literally it's like now it wasn't scary but just thinking about how scary it was then as a child like why why do i have this (laughs) game (laughs) so would you say it does its job then because metroid is never agree to that yeah because metroid's very I feel like the first three games are v- much closer to like sci-fi horror than the other ones. Now uh, I'm well, Metroid flashbacks. Oh my god! Metroid Fusion is actually obviously with the uh, doppelganger Samus. I can't remember the name right now. Samus yeah, like X. S A X. Yeah. Yes, S A X. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's very obviously they are very much going for a sci-fi horror theme with metroid fusion Uh, so i think like those these first three and then fusion are very much more horror based and so i you know i think this game does its job you know chase and i were talking about earlier how eerie this game can get and it's very atmospheric somehow it is more atmospheric in my opinion than the first game i am kind of impressed with the soundtrack here more than the first game i do really like the song in that first area it sounds just as adventurous you know as that main theme um that that you hear i don't think this song ever comes back in the series i could probably be wrong i haven't heard it anywhere else the one thing and this is kind of um a running theme for a lot of these game boy soundtracks even if i do find them good is that the sound quality sucks. <laughs> I don't know if that's... I don't know a lot about the Game Boy hardware. I, I'm sorry for my ignorance. It just has to be the chip, I'm guessing. Because sometimes some of the sounds sound like they're blown out. I don't know if that's something you guys noticed. Um, I didn't honestly pay too much attention to it. <laughs> no, me neither. But it does kind of make me wonder if it would sound better with headphones plugged in, because that was an option on the original Game Boy, or at least on the color, um, you could plug in headphones. So it makes me wonder if the soundtrack would sound better with headphones rather than coming out of the little speaker. Because we've already talked about how jarring the noises the the Metroids make. Uh, The other jarring thing is that the spider ball just kind of sounds like a fart noise. <laughs> now do you think all right follow me here right <laughs> this episode's been long enough do you <laughs> do you think the space federation sent samus to sr388 to cultivate these metroids so that they would have a a constant flow of product for the menu on zbs <laughs> because <laughs> oh metroid pate is very hard to come across 
Well, with all that behind us, let's come down to this. We are essentially about to summarize our thoughts on the game and whether or not this game is worth going back to. Uh, so Chase, Mushy, would you guys recommend Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, in 2022? And Chase, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Yeah, you guys can fight it out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, really the only reason you'd play this game is for the story. But since you have the remake, the another Metroid 2 remake, and Metroid 2 Samus Returns on the 3DS, you can no longer have the need, the urgency to really play this game unless you really want to torture yourself. Like, it is... Sure, it's like 4 or $5 on like the 3DS eShop, or, but that will not save you from the hours of agony of playing this game. I do not recommend this version of this game to anyone unless they have some kind of weird cult crazed boner for this game because in some circles this game is a cult classic and sure i guess i could see that but still it's just not for me uh, i pretty much agree um i would not recommend this game to anyone looking to start a samus game or like just looking for a game to play in general maybe you're like oh i really like the idea of playing retro games stay away from this one it's gonna put you off Really, the only people that I would suggest that this is worth playing, um, if you just absolutely love nostalgia and you played it once before, or maybe you used to play games like this um, and you just miss the feeling, um, the memories, whatever it may be, or if you have an ultimate end goal in mind, like you're trying to do research for a podcast or something similar, or if you just absolutely have to play every single game in the series that is the other than that stay away from this game just just don't okay that's two not recommends and so now it's me um surprisingly i didn't hate metroid 2 Boo. <laughs> that's gonna surprise a lot so in a weird way okay i i kind of don't mind it even though it does have a lot of the same issues that the previous game had, I just sound like a hypocrite. I appreciate that the game is a little more guided, is a little more linear. And I know that even sounds, I even sound even more like a hypocrite because when I was on your guys' podcast, I slammed Metroid Fusion for its linearity. So <laughs> I realize I probably sound like an idiot right now, but. To be fair to Metroid 2, it doesn't hold your hand like Metroid Fusion does. Yeah, you're not checking base every five minutes every time you get to a new section. Right. There, There's still a fair amount of openness to Metroid 2. But having the actual goal, other than just to go kill three bosses or whatever and beat the game, like in the last one, gives this game like a fair amount of player urgency even though i did think it got a pretty boring after a few hours i mean in the end the exploration in this game is complete garbage <laughs> the absence of a map is a huge detriment to this game 
the placement of the Metroid chambers, which is something I, I kind of forgot to talk about, doesn't make any sense. There's really no rhyme or reason <laughs> as to where the Metroids are placed. And that's probably just because they put so many of them in the game. The lack of color and the overall, I guess, art direction of the game is incredibly boring to look at. And I just think, as for this being the second Metroid game I'm covering, the series just is not there yet. And again, I I liked this game. I liked it far better than Metroid. And um, that's shocking to me. Um, I don't I don't think a lot of people are going to like this game, especially over the NES game. I cannot in my heart of hearts tell someone that they should ever go back to this. So I'm also not recommending this game. <laughs> Even though I liked it. But if somebody was like, hey, should I go play Metroid 2? I'm like, nah. <laughs> you're you're okay. Like Chase said, AM2R is out there. You could still you can still get it. Nintendo didn't do anything. They thought they did. Um, but then you there's also if you actually want to give Nintendo your money. You can go play the remake they put out as well. Definitely go play those. Those are much better than this. So, I say out of either Metroid on the NES or Metroid 2, I pick Metroid 2 over Metroid. Just because Metroid, the original one, sucks that much. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I... It's like trying to pick between a stale piece of cardboard or a stale piece of cardboard with a little bit of butter on it. <laughs> Chase, I just want to know how do you know the cardboard is stale? Because I've eaten pizza from Pizza Hut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All that's left to do is, of course, thank Chase and Mushy for coming on. Mushy, great to finally actually meet you. Likewise. I'm sorry that I couldn't have you on for Animal Crossing or something. <laughs> that it was Metroid. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, I feel like when I invite people on my show, it's kind of like getting, like, chosen. It's like getting chosen for a jury summons or something. <laughs> like, it's just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, I gotta go on the bank quest. Um, and Chase, thanks, dude. Thanks again for coming on that jury again <laughs> so um yeah i mean you guys kind of talked about it or we kind of talked about it at the top of the episode but uh the floor is yours at this point so why don't you guys tell everybody where they can find you and what you guys are up to all right so we are with the play cube gamecast we're essentially two-thirds of the main crew we mostly review older video games and occasionally newer stuff too like, the next episode we are going to be working on is uh, <laughs> Stranger Things Season 4. Fuck. <laughs> I've got Don't a lot listen. of catching up to do. Don't listen. <laughs> uh, which, unfortunately, will be full of spoilers because, well, that's all we do is just ruin everything. But we put spoiler warning, so, like, just be cautious. Don't Don't listen if you know you haven't seen it. And that spoiler warning is going at like zero seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us on pretty much anywhere you download podcasts. 
You yep. can also find us on all the social medias. What was that? Oh, I just said yes. You you can. Apple audio books or audible, sorry. Um, you can find us there. Amazon music, just about everywhere. Spotify, Pocket Cast, pretty much wherever, yeah. You can find us on almost all the major social medias, including Facebook, Instagram, Getter, TikTok. We don't have anything on TikTok. Yet. We just exist on TikTok. And occasionally we'll post stuff on Twitter too. I mean, essentially, our podcasts are like we're neighbors. We're like next door to each other, technically. Because <laughs> if you like are listening to this and then you go listen to Play Q Gamecast, which you should, I mean, that's basically just like walking across the street. So, hey, just be sure to check both ways before you cross that street. Definitely. Otherwise, you just might get sideswiped by a podcast you do not want to listen to. And uh, of <laughs> course, all those, all those uh, links and stuff are going to be in the show notes as well. So, very convenient as well if you know you didn't want to search for all that stuff. Next week on the show, we head back to Mario Land, the continent of Mario, but it's also Wario, because it's also Wario's land. It's also Mario's land, covering Wario Land, Super Mario Land 3. <laughs> it's an asinine title. Thank you guys so much for listening, and as always, take care of yourselves. Today on the Main Quest podcast, it's Metroid 2 Samus Returns. Return fuck, I fucked it up already. it's like trying to pick between a stale piece of cardboard or a stale piece of cardboard with a little bit of butter on it (laughs) chase i just want to know how do you know the cardboard is stale because i've eaten pizza from pizza hut (laughs) Okay.
Damn, then what is Domino's? I haven't been to a Domino's in forever, sir. So. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if Domino's was like a, a treasure in Texas. <laughs> Apparently you guys don't get cornbread down there, so I mean, whatever. You, hold on, cor- is that a restaurant or what? What? Cornbread? Cornbread. Like, like we eat cornbread here, unless that's a Why restaurant not with your or barbecue? Uh, um, maybe not at barbecue restaurants, but like we, like my house, we do. Oh, so you're a normal person. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Chase and I had this discussion one day because he went to some barbecue place and it had like this full on platter of barbecue. And I was like, wow, that looks really, really good. And then I looked closer at the picture and there was not a piece of cornbread in sight. And I, now, I will say that is true. We usually do sliced bread, like the Texas toast. That's normally what we do. However, like my parents, they like cornbread. So sometimes we will have cornbread instead. So you were raised Texas correctly. Toast. I don't know what Chase, I don't know what life Chase is living <laughs> <from> there. <laughs> now I just kind of got to ask you, like, I have to know, do beans go in chili? I don't, do I put beans in my chili? I think I do. Boo. <laughs> oh, okay. Boo. You guys are bean haters? Okay. I do put, yeah, I think I do put beans in my chili. I've had chili without like, beans. Yeah, it's like a running state joke that nobody puts beans in their chili. Like, it, the best chili does not have beans. A lot of people consider it to be filler. Um, I will say when my mom makes chili, she does put beans in her chili. But I also don't eat it because I just don't like chili. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's on a hot dog. <laughs> okay, yeah. that may, uh, I think in that case, I wouldn't... If it was going on a hot dog, I would not want beans in it. That's how I feel about it as well. That's too much. That's too. I yeah. don't have a preference. I don't really care if the chili has beans in it or not. Like, beans don't taste like anything to me. It's just an extra texture. Okay. Pineapple on pizza? Yeah or nay? No! No. Oh. Wait, 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 Chase, why did you say no? I thought you liked that. No, I don't. What? Oh, this whole time. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's I crushed. I learned something new. <laughs> oh my god. You've been lying no. to her this whole time. Chase is far more adventurous with food than I am, um, so I guess that's kind of why I just assumed that he was part of the pineapple on pizza. I just have like a mental block of if it's not supposed to be sweet it shouldn't be sweet so like i don't like sweet pickles um sweet barbecue meats none of that um and so the same thing goes for pizza like i don't want pineapple on it i don't care if you claim that it complements it i do not want pineapples on my pizza i am a dumpster of a man and i will just eat whatever the hell you put in front of me like i don't care (laughs) unless it is a platter full of barbecue without cornbread i will flip the table (laughs) all right uh let's finish this shit off finally (laughs) 